You're listening to Soccer Report Extra with Bobby McMahon and Owen O'Callaghan. Welcome to this week's edition of the Soccer Report Extra podcast. I'm Bobby McMahon and at the moment Owen's under the weather. So it's a bit of a monologue this week so I'm going to get cracking, uh, going to have a look at Italy, Spain, uh, start MLS and a little bit of the Mexican League with uh, CONCACAF Champions League. Um, this week, moving into the quarterfinal stage. Uh, first game to talk about is Roma and Napoli. And uh, Napoli uh, played right after Juventus. Got a very late goal from Dabala. Um, great effort from Dabala um, against Lazio, um, fighting off the defender, really putting everything into it and getting that goal. And that goal, if, if Juventus had dropped a couple of points, I think the, the pressure would have been significantly reduced on Napoli. But as it was, that uh, kept the pressure on Napoli. Napoli went into this game against Roma and quite frankly, um, rather like the, the display against um, Red Bull Leipzig in the uh, Europa League, they kind of stunk the joint out. Uh, Roma probably played pretty much the perfect game. Um, Dzeko up front was an absolute handful. Um, Goulibaly, who's certainly impressed me um, when I've seen him this year, uh, very big, powerful, quite mobile, probably more mobile centre-back than you think. A good pass to the ball, and somebody's had a very good season. Um, Dzeko um, got the better of him, scored a couple of goals, one with the head, uh, one coming off the right, lovely left-footed uh, um, shot, curled into the far corner. Um, Roma kind of sat pretty deep uh, for most of the game, and it really, Napoli really struggled to get in behind that Roma defence. And uh, Roma, very composed coming out from the back. And um, the longer the game went on, um, the more Napoli uh, tried to play a little bit more directly, but nothing really uh, came of it. They did notch notch a goal, brought it back to 4-2 with just a, um, I guess, just a a couple of minutes left. Um, But it was a case of, um, too little, too late. Now it leaves Napoli still at the top of the league, but Juventus still have a game in hand. If Juventus should, should win that game in hand, then obviously they will go above Napoli. And Juventus, in terms of um, experience in this kind of running, uh, far exceeds that of Napoli. And I think it's uh, going to be very important for Napoli to rebound very quickly from this, or they might get in a position a couple of weeks down the road, um, they finish up finding themselves chasing Juventus. But that's the uh, that was uh, my kind of thoughts on Roma Roma Napoli game, and uh, we'll take a break and we'll be back in a second and we'll talk a little bit Spanish football. You're listening to Soccer Report Extra. Keep up to speed with the podcast and get all the latest news, musings, and rants from Bobby and Owen by liking us on Facebook at Soccer Report Extra. Now back to the show. The big game in Spain uh, was Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. Barcelona going into this game, obviously in top spot, uh, unbeaten in La Liga in 26 games. Um, Showing a little bit of, um, perhaps a little bit of um, wear and tear. Haven't been their sharpest the last few weeks in as much as they drew three of their last five La Liga matches. And uh, I think it was an 11-point gap with Atletico Madrid five games ago had turned into a, um, a five-point gap in as much as Atletico Madrid had not only won their last five, they actually won their last eight. So this game going at the new Camp, the, the game earlier this year 
Um, in Madrid, had finished up on one draw. Um, Barcelona scoring a late goal to get back into that. But this one, I don't think you can term it a La Liga decider, but certainly a very, very good, very important game. And as much as Atletico had, had won it, then the gap would have been down to two or even a draw would have held it at five. But as it was, it was Barcelona win the game one nothing, And it was that man Messi again. Um, three free kicks in the last three games, all potted. Um, generally big goals. And this one was a cracker. Uh, he's up against uh, Jan Oblak, who is... Certainly, I, I would consider him probably one of the top three goalkeepers in the world at the moment. And it was just one of these he whipped over the wall, it dipped, and Old Black managed to get a hand to it, but couldn't keep it out of the net. And uh, that, that gave Barcelona a lead, and quite frankly, uh, right the way through uh, to halftime. Although they couldn't convert uh, the dominance of play that they had over Atletico Madrid in that first half into uh, clear-cut chances, um, they were very much the better side uh, by far. In fact, it, uh, uh, goodness knows what Diego Simeone must have said to his team in half time because it was a very unlike Atletico performance uh, up to that point. And then the second half, and I think perhaps, you know, it wouldn't be unfair to claim that based on the second half performance, Atletico were probably a little bit unlucky not to come away with a draw. They had Barcelona. Uh, under the cosh for much of the second half that a goal disallowed uh, Gamero. Uh, I initially thought the linesman had flagged Gamero offside and ran through a, a replay and a, he wasn't offside. And then uh, the camera managed to pick out uh, Dia Costa and it was a knockdown from Costa that Gamero had run onto. And it was actually turned out to be a fantastic bit of officiating from the referee's assistant because he'd spotted that uh, Costa had actually just... Um, got into an offside position essentially one step uh, before he knocked it down and the flag went up immediately and was cancelled that was probably um, the end of a period of the game where Atletico had probably thrown their best game uh, and a lot of stuff at Barcelona and it uh, and after that kind of Barcelona turned on a little bit of the, the old stuff in terms of doing very well keeping possession uh, trying to take the ball to the corner, that kind of that kind of stuff. Made a couple of substitutions. Coutinho came out. Um, Polinho had come in. Um, Iniesta got injured, which was which was obviously a, a big blow and potentially could be a bigger blow for Barcelona down the road. And as much as the, the word um, after the game was his hamstring injury, and he could well miss. In fact, he'll almost look certain to miss the Chelsea game. The, the key factor in that, of course, is Coutinho, who you would think would come in naturally to replace him, uh, wasn't the guy, uh, can't be the guy to replace him because he's cup-tied um, after his time with Liverpool. So that does cause Barcelona a bit of a headache with that game coming up with Chelsea in the new Camp um, um, uh, next week. Um, but overall, it was kind of interesting, um, not for the first time this year, we saw Barcelona... Um, I think you know the, the the some of the critics are are very prone to go back to thinking about Barcelona from the Guardiola years and the knock against Barcelona, if there was one, was that uh, defensively they always looked kind of suspect. Um, but this is a this is a very different Barcelona side in terms of you look at their defensive statistics this year. They stand um, with the best of them. Uh, they've been outstanding in terms of. Um, 
keeping the, the, the opposition off the scoreboard. I think now we're in a situation where uh, Der Stegen um, has got 16 shutouts and he's only one behind Jan Oblak, uh, who leads the Liga with 17 for Atletico Madrid. So that gives you um, the kind of idea of the defensive performances that Barcelona are putting in. And I think the difference as well with this Barcelona team is that they look, I wouldn't say very, very comfortable, but they look much more comfortable and they look, look a lot, lot more confident at, um, at taking these kind of situations where they've got the one goal lead and sitting on and defending it and, and trying to hit a little bit more on, more on the break than they might have before. Um, Luis Suarez had a goal disallowed, but he was first on first uh, glance he looked obviously offside. On the replay, it was perhaps a little bit more. It was much more marginal than that, but that one was was cancelled out. But as it was, Barcelona went on to win, so that's their lead now up to eight points. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's eleven games to go, and they're not, and they're now beginning to zero in on Real Sociedad's La Liga record. Uh, that was set in 19, I believe, 79 and 1980. Yes, there was a time when Real Sociedad were the dominant Spanish team. Um, and that ran to about 34. So Barcelona are knocking off all sorts of records just now. I still think there's, uh, I think, you know, I would have the concern and I think some Barcelona fans might have the same concern as well. Just wondering about the pacing of the team uh, in as much as they're still involved in three competitions. They've got this healthy lead again in La Liga. But the Chelsea um, uh, game at the, the Camp Nou um, next week stands out. Um, I'd be very interesting if we see a similar Chelsea performance to the one we saw against um, Manchester City somehow I, I kind of doubt it will be as quite as uh, defensive as that but I think you will find Chelsea trying to hit them on the break so they've got that they've got a Copa del Rey final coming up uh, oh, against Sevilla I believe in sometime in April so they've got three competitions on, on the go and we know that this is the time where um, it can be glory or it can be bust uh, they wouldn't be the first team to uh, go into this situation with a treble um, on paper within their grasp and find that uh, they only finish with one or maybe maybe two trophies, which certainly is not a disaster. Um, but the expectations are beginning to build and with Barcelona, um, it's the expectations of a, another treble after, um, after the one they did, I believe, in 2013. Anyway, that brings us to the end of uh, part two of the Soccer Report Extra podcast and we'll be back in a couple of seconds with part three. You're listening to Soccer Report Extra with Bobby McMahon and Owen O'Callaghan. Be sure to follow them both on Twitter. Links are in the show notes below. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Soccer Report Extra podcast part three. We covered Roma and Napoli. Uh, Barcelona Atletico Madrid in this rather abridged version and Bobby McMahon doing a monologue version this week with uh, Owen is uh, a little bit under the weather. So this weekend uh, also brought the the return of Major League Soccer and um, just a sort of comment as we go in it and it's, it's not a criticism but one of the things I'm continually told is one of the strengths of Major League Soccer is the fact that it's got parity. Um, but after the results... Um, it, uh, a quick look at Twitter uh, 
there was a number of people expressing surprises at some of the some of the results. But if you've got parity, I'm not quite sure you can really have surprising results, especially at the beginning of the season, where it's a little bit topsy turvy anyway. But um, the, the 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 kickoff game of uh, MLS 2018 was in Toronto, um, Toronto FC versus the Columbus Crew, and surprise in inverted commas Columbus crew came away with a 2-0 win in Toronto uh, who had been so strong at BMO Field and so strong generally last year through winning the Sports Shield and MLS Cup um, perhaps they had a little bit of an eye on the, the quarterfinal of the CONCACAF Champions League against Tigris coming up this week but as it turned out uh, Columbus crew showed a lot of confidence they were willing to play the ball out from the back play it through midfield uh, got themselves tangled a few times uh, Toronto when they applied pressure they were turning the ball over and it looked like a number of times um, they were kind of done for uh, but Toronto kind of lacked that seemed to lack that sharpness um, around about maybe 30 yards in they weren't able to create perhaps as many chances of their pressure um, should have allowed them to and as as it turned out Columbus getting a goal either side at half time that was the difference shout Toronto FC and leave with three points uh, just a, one word about the, the second goal I believe it was um, Santos uh, Columbus crew the pass he played in behind the Toronto defence was just absolutely exquisite if it had been by uh, the pass being made by Lionel Messi uh, it would have been all over social media uh, it was just absolutely Picture perfect pass and just absolutely wonderful goal. Um, and possibly it's only one game in the season, but round one in the season so far, but probably the pass of the season so far. Um, other games of some interest um, was um, was New York City um, starting on the roads. Uh, uh, Maxi Morales, who signed as a designated player, I believe, in 2017. Remember him from the 2007 uh, under-20 World Cup, the great Argentina team with uh, Sergio Aguero. Um, Romero was a goalkeeper. Fazio, who is now playing in Italy, was part of that team. Benega, uh, great pass of the ball is another one. But we, uh, uh, Maxi Morales, all five foot two of them, um, I think he maybe even finished... I think he finished with one of the scoring trophies. I'm not sure if it was the silver or the bronze. Um, Anil De Maria was part of that team as well. Uh, but Morales, the big, I think the question mark on was at five foot two, how could he do? And he's turned out, to, he's bounced around a few countries and played in a few leagues uh, before finding himself in MLS. But uh, the skill is still there and the, certainly the, the tactical and the te technical aspects of the game are still there. Got the early goal and New York City finished up uh, run out uh, 2 nothing winners over Sporting KC. The big controversy or the controversy there was a couple of VAR incidents um, that were, were quite controversial. But uh, as, I, as I said, it, uh, it finished up with uh, Sporting KC going down 2 nothing to New York City FC in the opening game. Um, didn't see the game myself, but um, I think worth noting... Uh, Debutant um, Los Angeles FC uh, getting an away win uh, against Seattle. It can be sort of headlined as 10 man Seattle, but Seattle only played with 10 men for about the last uh, eight or nine minutes. Uh, but it was one of the young signings, young South American uh, Diego Rossi got the goal. And Twitter reli reliably informs me, but it's, only, it's the only time, only the second time, that an expansion team has won its opening away game in MLS history 
and the second, the, the, the first time it was done was under uh, Chicago Fire under Bob Bradley, and this time it's under Bob Bradley again, um, uh, working his magic with LAFC winning their opening game, um, and this time against Seattle Sounders, which is you know fairly decent performance as well. And then we had the last game on the weekend, uh, Los Angeles Galaxy. Uh, beating Portland 2-1 and matching um, their uh, now Los Angeles rivals. So that's week one of um, MLS. And we're going to take a little break, come back, talk a little bit about um, Mexican football and in particular um, looking at uh, Tigres and Toronto FC in CONCACAF Champions League. You're listening to Soccer Report Extra. Keep up to speed with the podcast and get all the latest news, musings, and rants from Bobby and Owen by liking us on Facebook at Soccer Report Extra. Now, back to the show. I'm going to take a quick look uh, at CONCACAF Champions League. But uh, looking at the quarterfinals um, going at the moment, and three of them are MLS um, versus teams from um, the Mexican League, who got uh, Guadalajara Chivas, uh, playing Seattle Sounders, you have uh, Tijuana um, playing New York Red Bulls, and uh, the one that really catches eye in Toronto FC against Tigris. Um, Tigris are uh, have kind of slowly um, settled into a pretty decent pattern of play after being a little bit slow at the blocks in, in the Mexican league. They've climbed, I think they're maybe in the top four now. And uh, I watched them a little bit on the weekend. I've watched them on and off the last few weeks as well. Tigres are one of these teams, certainly when I've been speaking to people that follow Mexican football, uh, the one thing that I wouldn't say is unanimous, but it's, it's pretty consistent kind of comment from them is uh, they're, a, they're a team that uh, are admired by fans of other clubs as well. They have a commitment to youth players. Uh, they bring through youth players. Uh, they have a, a, a faith in the youth. They, they, they're, they're kind of naughty in as much as uh, their, their coach, Ricardo Ferretti, has been around and with them since 2010, taking to a lot of success. But to last seven or eight years in the Mexican League is uh, is quite a feat. Um, a lot of the, the stuff that's been written about them just now uh, focuses on uh, the strike force, uh, three front players that they can play. They usually play with two, but they, they have got Emmer Valencia, who spent uh, the Ecuadorian, who spent time with Everton uh, and West Ham, mostly with West Ham. Uh, look good in, in spurts, but and really pacey. Um, but lacked consistency to, to make it in the Premier League. Eduardo Vargas, another one who's got Premier League experience. He played with QPR and scored a couple of good goals in his time. And the third one is Gignac, who's the French player they signed for four or five million, maybe three years ago. And Gignac's big physical player, a bit one-footed uh, in, in terms of his goal production, but he's been a big success in Mexican, uh, Mexican football and, and certainly a, a pretty consistent performer. A lot of the limelight kind of falls on these three players, but they're a tiny team. They, they play out from the back, uh, like me most Mexican teams, they play the ball to feet. They don't just go running after running after the ball. And so in as much as um, that style of play is not something that you, you generally see um, 
played so consistently in MLS. So that might give Toronto a, a little bit. Toronto have talked about how they've they've gone down. They played against America in the preseason. They're a good part of the America first team squad. Um, uh, just to to get themselves some game time against that style of play, knowing that there was a good chance that they were going to face Mexican teams in Concacaf Champions League. So, um, coming up, I guess we're we're going to find out very shortly. I believe the um, uh, the game is coming up. I think it's Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, with between in, uh, Toronto and uh, Tigres. Tigres played Veracruz on Sunday night. One, two, nothing, I believe. Uh, Emmer Valencia uh, and Gignac started. Vargas came into the game a little bit later on. But that game's uh, scheduled for Wednesday in Toronto. And so you can only assume that uh, Tigres was flying uh, to Toronto today and a little bit of acclimatization. Uh, we'll probably have to go on there in terms of uh, um, uh, the weather conditions. Um, the other one, and this is a this is a uh, the 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 game that um, that doesn't involve a head to head MLS and and Mexican league matchup, but it's America against Toro uh, of Panama, and certainly nothing to tell you about Toro. I don't know much about them at all, apart from the, the fact that they beat. Uh, um, FC Dallas on away goals but we got a chance to see America America leading the Mexican league just now and it was the Super Classico derby with uh, Guadalajara Chivas and Guadalajara of course mentioned before they're playing against uh, Seattle Sounders Guadalajara are struggling this year uh, finished up tying uh, with America on, on, um, on the weekend it was to use a, it was a feisty game. Let's say it was feisty. It was um, the the referee was very busy. Uh, there was lots of rolling around. Uh, the crowd were right into it. In the end, probably Guadalajara, considering their form this year, were quite happy getting the draw against America, uh, given America are, are uh, sitting top of the league, uh, top of the Mexican league just now. But uh, I believe if. Toronto beat Tigres and America beat Toro, then the the way to the final is blocked by America, and then potentially there's Seattle, Guadalajara, Tijuana, or New York Red Bulls um, at the on the other side of the draw as well. So, Concacaf Champions League this week and next week, and of course there's the return of Champions League um, play this week. Um, we know that uh, the big game is Real Madrid. Um, and PSG, uh, no Neymar, and so this is a real acid test uh, for PSG if they can rebound from that 3-1 loss to Real Madrid. Real Madrid, I wouldn't say are consistently coming into form at the moment, but they certainly are playing better than they did at the turn of the year. That's a game to watch. Liverpool um, really have, have booked their place already. There's, there is just no way that um, they are not going to qualify um, in terms of um, uh, the Champions League, uh, given their fantastic performance in the first leg in, in Portugal, when they ran out, uh, uh, ran out five nothing winners over Porto. So with FC Porto on Tuesday against Liverpool at Anfield with Paris Saint Germain in Paris against Real Madrid, and then the March seventh games. 
give us Manchester City, another game um, that's another tie that's a dead rubber. Manchester City leading 4-0 from the first leg. And then they're really another top-class game uh, with Tottenham and Juventus on um, on Wednesday. And that uh, Tottenham coming away a 2-2 draw in Juventus has been 2-0 down, got to hold the upper hand. But I don't think you can necessarily... You can't uh, discount a team like Juventus at this stage as well. Anyway, that brings us to the end of a shortened version of the Soccer Report Extra podcast. And we'll be back uh, in just a couple of minutes and we'll bring producer Luke in to uh, correct me on some of the facts. You're listening to Soccer Report Extra with Bobby McMahon and Owen O'Callaghan. Be sure to follow them both on Twitter. Links are in the show notes below. Now back to the show. Okay, Luke, here you go. Come on, hit me with them. Okay, well, we just want to clear up uh, the the unbeaten streak in uh, La Liga. So you mentioned Real Sociedad. They did indeed have a 38-game unbeaten streak that was from April 1979 to May 1980. And uh, I believe they won two La Liga titles then in the 80-81 and then the 81-82 season as well. I think I was a John, I think John Toshak was in charge of them around about that time. Whatever happened to John Toshak? Another paid pundit. You were mentioning the 2007 under-20 team from Argentina that competed for the the U20 World Cup in Canada and, and won it. Yeah, and uh, and they had some incredible names on that on that squad. So just yeah, just a reminder that they also had uh, Ever Banega as in midfield, uh, and then uh, Maro Zarate was a forward in that squad as well. He's bounced around a few teams, hasn't he? Yes, I think he is still out there in the ether somewhere. But uh, I think Watford, I think, was his last in England. It, Certainly it could, was with uh, West Ham. I I actually lost track of him after a while because I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't even keep up whether he was playing in England or Italy. He was on a shuttle every week. He, he was a big hit in Birmingham, and then he went off to Lazio. And but uh, yeah, so he's he's still out there. But yeah, that was quite the squad. Uh, and then also you were mentioning Tigres in the Mexican League, and uh, they currently sit fourth. They're two points back of Santos that are tops with 20 oh, points. Okay, that would be yes, uh, because America dropping the points against uh, Guadalajara. Yes, and so you've got, I believe, three teams on 18 points then. Um, Tigres did beat Veracruz uh, in the latest round 2-0 away. Goals from Zeller Ryan and Gignac. Yes. And um, I believe that's uh, that's all I got. Okay, well, thank you, Luke. We're, we're plugging away here. So, anyway, thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for listening to Soccer Report Extra Podcast. Uh, I'm Bob McMahon. On behalf of the ill Ono Callahan and producer Luke Crawford, thank you for listening, and hopefully uh, we'll be back next week. For someone who's so keen to snuggle, you cause a lot of trouble. Thanks for listening to Soccer Report Extra. To keep tabs on the podcast and get all the latest news, musings, and rants from Bobby and Owen, like us on Facebook at Soccer Report Extra. Music for this podcast graciously provided by Manitoba's hottest indie pop group, Misery Slims. Check them out on Spotify and YouTube and follow the band on Facebook at Misery Slims. Misery Slims.